Wedge Issues is brought to you by Wispolitics.com, a place where political insiders go for news, opinion, and campaign information. Once again, that's Wispolitics.com. If you're counting down the days until election day, well, you're not alone. And we are into the single digits now. Scott Walker and Tony Evers are locked in a tied governor's race. Tammy Baldwin is leading Leah Vukmir by double digits in the race for the U.S. Senate. And Brad Schimmel is ahead of Josh Call by just two points in the attorney general's race. I'm Jesse Opoyan, and this is Wedge Issues, a Cap Times podcast about the 2018 elections in Wisconsin. Joining me this week is Brianna Riley, a reporter for WIS Politics. I've been running into Brianna and her WIS Politics colleagues out on the trail at rallies like former President Barack Obama's visit to Milwaukee and President Donald Trump's visit to Mosinee. In just a minute, we're going to take a quick look back on what we've seen throughout the campaign and what we're watching for in these final days before November 6th. And later in the episode, I'll share some details with you about an exciting new Cap Times Wedge Issues event. Well, it is November, finally, which means it's election month. Uh, we're days away from the election, and I've got here with me in the studio WISPolitics.com reporter Brianna Riley. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're a little punchy because we've been <laughs> covering campaigns for, it feels like, forever and always. But we were having a debate the other day, and you weren't there, but I'm curious what you think, because um, we were sort of evenly split between some of us prefer covering campaigns and some of us prefer covering like the legislature, particularly the budget. So I'm interested in what you like to do. Yeah, I'd love to hear your perspective. I, I personally love the, the budget cycle. There's just a little bit more substance to dive into. And I think I've been reporting on too many Twitter wars in the past couple of days. So <laughs> I'm totally with you. Yeah. At the beginning of it, it's kind of exciting and you don't know what's going to happen. And then at the end of it, you're, it's just everyone's silly and and just ridiculous. And yeah, the budget is sort of awful as the hours are because you end up in the Capitol for a bunch of late nights. It's all sort of tied to some facts that are somewhat indisputable and there are numbers and it's, yeah, it's much more, there's much more substance. So yeah. And it's like the real world consequences are just immediate, right? Right. Yeah. Everything that you're covering is, there is, (laughs) there's a result that'll impact someone in the immediate term, you know, versus campaigns are just a little drawn out and the rhetoric is all out there and you don't really know until someone gets into office. Right. And like you said, so many Twitter wars, which is a relatively new element of campaign coverage, but it gets, uh, it gets exhausting for everyone involved. And we're, and and you guys at at was politics really cover a lot of that sort of insider stuff too. So you really have to get into the, the nitty gritty of who's spending what and um, who's saying what in their ads and all that stuff. Yep, and outside spending from third-party groups. So it's been a lot of spreadsheets over the past couple of months. I don't envy you that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of numbers, we have new numbers this week. Uh, The final Marquette University Law School poll came out on Halloween. And 
surprise, surprise, the governor's race is a tie. Were you surprised by that? Absolutely not. I mean, I think Charles Franklin said it best when he said this race is a true toss up just based on, you know, based on the results of the last, what, four Marquette polls. Right. So, yeah, not a huge surprise there. This race has been close all along. Um, Not so close is the Senate race where Tammy Baldwin is up uh, 11 points over Leah Vukmir. And the AG race tightened up a little bit. Brad Schimmel is up two points over Josh Call. Obviously, that's within the margin of error. So so that's another thing to keep in mind, too, as we're looking at these results. Yeah. And Brad Schimmel's been ahead that an entire race. But not until recently, really, did Josh Call start putting ads up. He'd been pretty absent from, entirely absent from the airwaves until just a few weeks ago. So mm-hmm. it looks like maybe putting those ads up helped him out a little bit. Plus, just getting closer to the election, people are paying attention more. Um, So he's gaining some ground there. So you and I have been covering rallies lately, a lot of heavy hitters coming into Wisconsin to uh, campaign on behalf of their party's ticket. So uh, we were in Milwaukee last week for Barack Obama campaigning Mm -hmm. with Tony Evers. Um, where, Where else have you been? Well, I know that uh, one of my colleagues in the WIS politics office went to see President Trump last week, uh, Wednesday, while he was in the Wausau media market just trying to bolster support for Republican candidates in that you know, stronghold uh, area of the state. Um, but even this week, we're seeing more. I mean, Eric Trump was in town um, in well, in Sheboygan and also that northern central part of the state, too. And we have Elizabeth Warren coming to uh, Madison and Milwaukee this week. So there's just, there's been a lot of activity. I mean, in 2016, there is that running joke that Hillary Clinton ignored the state. I don't think anyone would make the argument <laughs> that we're being ignored or overlooked this time around. No, I think no one's looking to make that mistake again. Again, uh, yeah, I, I went to the the Trump rally in, in Mosini, uh, and then you and I were in Milwaukee for for Obama two days later. I felt like I had whiplash going back and forth between those two experiences. <laughs> they were very, very different crowds, both very energetic and really excited to have these top of the ticket big names coming in. Uh, Joe Biden was here. I think Ke- Kellyanne Conway is coming to campaign oh, yeah, to for Leah McMeer. Right? She already did. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, <laughs> everyone, everyone is coming to Wisconsin. Uh, and I think that's sort of a preview of what's to come in really the next year as people start running for president and candidates start gearing up. Well, you mentioned you guys have been tracking spending a lot and sharing a lot of spreadsheets and um, just Recently, a few days ago, a new round of numbers came in. And in a minute, I want to talk about what they're using that money for. But can you just kind of go over some of the general trends of what you saw in in the latest reports? Yeah, I think in the U.S. Senate race, there, there's a really stark difference in, in fundraising, and there has been, uh, you know, for the, the duration of the race. But Tammy Baldwin continues to outraise Leah Vukmir, and I have some numbers here in front of me. Uh, it actually shows the latest reports, which covered through the first two weeks of October, showed that Baldwin outraised Vukmir two to one and outspent her almost four to one. And wow. it actually, this actually has an interesting tie to the Marquette poll because um, we saw in those those top line results yesterday that Baldwin was viewed favorably by forty nine percent of likely voters, right, mm-hmm. and unfavorably by forty three. 
Vukmir's numbers are underwater. So yeah. obviously there's a correlation there between the amount of money that Baldwin's able to spend because she's just a you know a fundraising machine here mm-hmm. um, and defining herself as a candidate who's going to fight for health care, protect your pre-existing conditions, and painting Vukmir in, in a very negative light. So that's been a very interesting race to watch. Yeah, I was interested in um, in the Marquette poll when they broke down uh, the numbers of people who said health care and education were the issues that were most important to them in deciding who to vote for, pretty overwhelmingly supported Tammy Baldwin. Um, also true of transportation, but when you looked at jobs in the economy, that was where Leah Vukmir gained more ground. Um, and those trends kind of carried over to the governor's race, too. Education, health care, mm-hmm. those voters are trending toward Tony Evers. And uh, the economy goes more toward Walker's favor. Was interested, too, though, that in that breakdown, voters who said transportation is really important to them were also pretty evenly split between the two candidates. So they're not really seeing a clear choice there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think transportation, it it seems like that's maybe more of an issue in legislative races where it's really local, but it hasn't really been something that has come up on the campaign trail with the exception of Governor Walker saying that Tony Evers will potentially raise the gas tax as much as a dollar a gallon. Tony said the day after the primary, right here in Madison, everything's on the table. He was asked, does that include a dollar gas tax, gallon, excuse me, a dollar a gallon gas tax increase? He said everything's on the table. Now, in a minute, he'll say it's ridiculous, it's a lie, any number of other things out there. But in the end, he's not telling us what it is. If you don't have a plan till after the election, ladies and gentlemen, you need to be ready for a massive gas tax increase. Which Tony Evers has said. Holy mackerel, that's ridiculous, <laughs> which holy mackerel seems to be the new Tony catch Evers phrase. catchphrase at this point. <laughs> he said it once, people liked it. <laughs> now it's every every time. Every, every rally, every I think, rally that he's been yeah. involved in, it's come up. Thank you. What do you say, Mr. Evers? Holy mackerel is what I say. Uh, of course, the people of Wisconsin understand, except for Scott Walker, keep repeating it, a dollar a gallon is ridiculous. It's never going to happen. But let's what's, what's spending looking like in the governor's race right now? Well, Governor Walker pulled ahead of Tony Evers in this latest fundraising period, but his funds raised were bolstered by committee contributions from the state Republican Party. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Um, another couple of races I want to highlight, at least on the congressional level, yeah. because they're, they're super interesting, are the, the first CD where Democrat iron worker Randy Bryce is facing off against Brian Stile, who's a Republican and a UW regent. And Bryce is just another example of a fundraising machine since he got into the race uh, last year with that viral campaign video. He's been kind of raising money nonstop. And it's it's hard to catch up, but there's a lot of outside spending in that race, too, knocking Bryce for his arrest record. He was arrested nine times. He uh, refused to pay child support. So uh, the Congressional Leadership Fund has been very, very active. I think a $2.5 million ad by total just knocking Bryce. Um, And then in the 6th Congressional District, which I think 538 has rated as like a likely Republican Mm -hmm. um, seat. So you have to keep in mind the the competitiveness of of this seat, which is it went for Trump by 17 points. So that's another another thing to remember when we're looking at how competitive these congressional seats actually are. But we have incumbent Congressman Glenn Grothman going up against Dan Cole, the nephew of former U.S. Senator Herb Cole. And Dan Cole has consistently outraised Glenn Grothman, including in the last period. So that that's certainly an interesting thing to keep in mind, too, as we're 
going into Election Day next week. Yeah, and and that district has a relatively competitive state Senate seat, too. I think you guys reported that Kyle Welton, the state Senate candidate there, outraised his Republican opponent, the incumbent, Devin Lemihue. Mm-hmm. So interesting part of the state definitely tends to vote Republican, but every now and then considered a toss-up. So uh, something you've been covering, well, I haven't really been covering at all, and, you, and you've been covering, is a really hyper-local issue, referendums on the ballot, which I think some people looked at as a potential uh, to drive up turnout at the local level if there's something that people are really fired up about. Um, but you've been following these pretty closely. So uh, what are some of these ballot initiatives that are on ballots throughout the state? Yeah, there's a few interesting ones. One of them, it targets the so-called dark store loophole that um, so lawmakers this session introduced legislation that received bipartisan support to try to close this loophole. And basically what it does is big box businesses are making the argument that, that their property value should be assessed at the same rate as similar but vacant properties. So that in turn allows them to to make the argument, in some cases win the argument, that (laughs) that their property tax burden should be less. Um, So proponents of this legislation have said that we need to close this loophole. Uh, this is shifting the tax burden onto small businesses and local homeowners. You know, it's not fair. But businesses, in turn, make the argument that local governments are just targeting them. They already pay their fair share, they say. So this is a really interesting issue that's going to be on a, a series of ballots across the state. I think more than 20 counties, villages, cities um, will be presenting voters with this question. Really? Mm-hmm. That's. I know that's something that the legislature tried a few times to take action on. It's actually kind of a bipartisan issue. It's got supporters and detractors on both sides of the aisle, but just never really made it through at that state level. So these local governments are trying to make it maybe happen from the bottom up. Exactly. And an important thing to note, of course, about this is that they're advisory referendums. So it's not it's not like it's going to compel the state legislature to act or compel local lawmakers to actually vote a certain way. But it's still, I think, in, in the minds of local governments and groups like the Wisconsin League of Municipalities, it's still going to be able to keep this issue in the minds of, of voters and lawmakers leading up to the next session. So um, that's really interesting. Another thing I want to note about this is West Alice during the August primary had a similar question, a dark store question on their ballots, and voters approved it with, uh, I think 91% of voters actually approved it. So we've seen overwhelming support for this kind of measure just in the past few months. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Yeah. And and the referendum item that was talked about in the Capitol this week, which uh, some other outlets have done some good reporting on, marijuana. What are people talking about? That's a great question. So this will be before voters in 16 counties and two cities. And the questions, uh, there's some variance here because some of the questions are asking about using marijuana for medicinal uses. The other ones are for uh, recreational uses or for adults. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some have, you know, two-part questions asking about the medicinal use and the recreational use. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out as well. Yeah. In the governor's race, um, Governor Walker has always been really adamantly opposed to, I think, even considering medicinal marijuana. He sees that as a potential gateway drug to uh, more serious drug use, where Tony Evers has said he supports medical marijuana and potentially would support recreational use, but that would be really depending on if voters wanted that, if, if there was an advisory referendum at the state level. And so this might inform 
what the chances of that might be if you were elected. Hey, Wedge Issues listeners, do you like the show? Do you like politics? Do you like upstairs rooms at downtown bars? Well, boy, do I have a deal for you. We'll be having our first ever live recording of Wedge Issues after the election on Tuesday, November 13th from 7 to 8 p.m. We'll be upstairs at Broca on the Capitol Square at 7 West Main Street. We'll have some light snacks and a cash bar. Now, a live show only works with a live audience. So we would like to invite our loyal Wedge Issues listeners to attend this one on us. Just listen at the end of the episode to find out how to get tickets and how to use your Wedge Issues listener promo code to get in for free. Wedge Issues is sponsored by WISPolitics.com. You can become a WISPolitics.com member. Find out more at WISPolitics.com slash membership. Pulling back then from the really, really local level, there have been a lot of national news stories lately that have probably earned more attention than your average uh, to the point where national politics, uh, certainly in a midterm election, it's often viewed as a referendum on the party in power, the, the party of the president, usually doesn't go well for that party. But uh, I think in the elections that we've been covering, a lot of the candidates have really been trying to pull away from that, really on both sides. No one's trying to make this election in Wisconsin about Donald Trump. Uh, but I'm wondering, I think you and I were talking about this and wondering, are any of these stories that potentially have ramifications at the state level, are, are they going to influence the outcome of elections? So certainly there's just been a lot of discussion lately about heightened violent negative rhetoric that has been brought to the forefront by incidents like the shooting at the synagogue in Pittsburgh, um, by explosive devices being mailed to prominent Democrats and to CNN, um, the the shooting at a grocery store in Kentucky that's being looked at as a, as a hate crime. Are we seeing conversations about that trickle down into the, the state elections here? I think on Monday, Tony Evers had a media availability in, in Madison at a local state party office, and he was asked quite a few questions about gun control. I mean, these are the questions. Yeah, yeah. So this is um, taking this very national, these very national news stories and kind of breaking it down at, at a local level. And that's kind of how it's manifesting itself. But we're also seeing a lot of talk about immigration, especially mm-hmm. as news stories about the migrant caravan and its progress uh, north towards the the U.S.'s southern border uh, continue. So that, that's been really interesting to watch in this race, too, as, as those people have continued their journey uh, towards the U.S. So in the first gubernatorial debate that was held in Madison, there were a couple questions about immigration and particularly about whether the candidates would support giving driver's licenses to undocumented workers and whether they would support allowing DACA students to receive in-state tuition at UW schools. And Tony Evers came out in support of both of those measures. And Governor Walker, it, it seemed like, well, he never really gave a yes or no, but he did make clear that this wasn't something within his power. He said, this is up to the federal government and the federal government would prevent me from doing that. But then a few days later, he came out with an ad that was not at all unclear (laughs) about his position on this. And 
it talked about Tony Evers wanting to give uh, the phrase was special treatment for illegals, um, which is the kind of phrasing that will rile up people on on both sides of this issue. Do I think that we should have uh, permits, driver permits for undocumented folks that are working in the state of Wisconsin? The answer is yes. Tony Evers, special treatment for illegals, higher taxes for you. It was very stark in the way that he framed it. Um, Have you heard anything about that ad or have you been following sort of how people have been responding to that ad? I think there is um, there's some some talk that this isn't the kind of ad. It was his 31st ad, too. It's just the, the sheer volume of ads <laughs> so in this space is crazy. Yeah. But I think there's been some talk about this isn't the kind of ad that you run if you're if you have a you know significant lead in the polls, right? Yeah. It just it continues to reinforce the fact that this is a close race. This is a toss up. This this could go either way. Come Tuesday. The the topic of of the migrant caravan and immigration definitely was uh, heavy on the minds at the Trump rally in Mosinee. Certainly Donald Trump brought it up a lot. Leo Vukmir brought it up a lot. And it was something that when I was talking to voters there, the two motivating issues for most of the voters that I talked to were taxes and immigration policy. And the the flip side, I think we've seen at most of the Democratic rallies we've been covering, healthcare has just been almost the only thing that candidates are talking about. Um, certainly talking about other things like education and um, even taxes, but healthcare just is is the driving issue. Um, what are we hearing from Democratic candidates about healthcare? Yeah, well, it was actually really interesting to me to get back to President Obama's uh, rally on on Friday, where. It was just really interesting to see him coming to Wisconsin and touting his F- oh really owning the Affordable Care Act and yeah. I, I mean we're finally seeing the Affordable Care Act's popularity continuing to increase in polls so it's just really interesting given that backdrop to see him um, like I said owning the issue yeah uh, so I, I thought that was fascinating but I mean this issue that brought Republicans into majorities just years ago because they ran on how unpopular it was now Democrats are trying to run on its popularity exactly it's fascinating exactly and yeah. a, a lot of this really centers around the conversation about protections for pre-existing conditions, right? And this has been the subject of so many ads here in the state in in a variety of races. And basically, Republicans are trying to make the argument that, you know, despite the state's involvement in a lawsuit seeking to eventually overturn the Affordable Care Act, they're going to they're going to still safeguard these pre-existing conditions for for people in the state. But, you know, that argument has kind of been complicated in recent weeks when the Senate majority leader Scott Fitzgerald said he may not have the votes to to make <laughs> something like this happen. And uh you know, he quickly pulled back later in the day and said, you know, if there's if the state's in a position where this needs to pass, we will get this done, you know, we'll we'll make this lift. But it's still it Reporters ran with it for those yeah. four hours <laughs> in the hours. interim. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, this was something Governor Walker called for in January for the legislature to pass legislation um, requiring this, and the assembly did pass a bill that would require that that coverage. But uh, Democrats in the assembly didn't vote for it because they saw uh, holes in it that they didn't like. In particular, the policy that if you go without insurance for any period of time, then you are no longer under this uh, requirement that that your pre-existing conditions can be covered. And so the Senate never took it up. And as you mentioned, Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald said 
the people who didn't support that bill then probably still don't support it now. But yes, as if, as you noted a few hours later, he said, well, if, if we have to make it happen, we will. But yeah, you know, this issue has permeated every major race in the state, um, mostly because Attorney General Brad Schimmel is leading the state in this multi-state lawsuit looking to undo the Affordable Care Act and undo those protections. And so Democrats say, if you want to protect pre-existing conditions and don't sue to get rid of that requirement where, like you said, Republicans say, well, there's a, there's another way to do it. Okay, so looking at these three major races, we haven't really been focusing on legislative races or congressional races, but a lot of the same themes apply. But looking at the attorney general's race, the U.S. Senate race, and the governor's race, we're in the days now where everyone's making closing arguments. Let's start with the AG's race. What are these next few days do you think going to look like for that? Well, the theme over the past couple of weeks, and especially the the debates between the two candidates, has been Brad Schimmel, the Republican incumbent, saying that his opponent, Josh Call, is, you know, he's, he amounts to a federal prosecutor uh, who hasn't really had much experience in Wisconsin. He doesn't know how to handle sensitive cases, like cases against victims of sexual assault and, and things like that. And Basically, Call has has been knocking Schimmel on the issues of the rape kit backlog, the agency's purchase of challenge coins, um, and just kind of arguing in that there's been a mismanagement of the agency, and he and he alone can rectify that. The the Senate race, uh, final days, as we mentioned, both candidates have surrogates coming in on their behalf: Elizabeth Warren, Kellyanne Conway. Um, I think Leah Vukmir will be on the road with Paul Ryan and Scott Walker. What are we hearing from Leah Vukmir in these last few days? How does she try to bring herself up and, and close that gap? There's been a lot of interesting, uh, just kind of the rhetoric that she's pushing, especially in the last few days and the last couple of weeks. Um, I think yesterday on Twitter, she referred to Tammy Baldwin as what, painkiller? Pr- Princess, Princess painkiller. Pain yeah. Yeah. So there was a, she made a, a Candyland game. Um, based on the Toma Veterans uh, Administration Healthcare Center, where uh, it was at one time referred to as Candyland because of its overprescription scandal, um, but referring to Tammy Baldwin as Princess Painkiller, and, and why did she do that? Well, I think the assumption is she just wants media coverage at this point. She doesn't. She doesn't want the media to write off the race, despite the the polls consistently showing Tammy Baldwin with a big lead over her. Uh, so she'll, you know, she'll vie for media attention in any way that she can, and that includes what some see as low digs, you know, against Baldwin. Sure, and that was, you know, that that did get attention because Tammy Baldwin's mother had an addiction to prescription drugs, and she's talked about that on the campaign trail this year as uh, part of why, you know, healthcare coverage and and just uh, addiction resources and treatment in general are very important to her. So the the Princess Painkiller nickname kind of had other connotations, um, I think, that some saw in addition to uh, the attack on, on Baldwin for the way her office handled the Toma issue. Baldwin obviously has the, the upper hand at this point. She's been talking a lot about health care. Both candidates are on bus tours. Uh, Tammy Baldwin's is kind of on this theme of working for you. What do you expect to see from her in these last few days? I think just continuing to amp up the rhetoric. Uh, she'll protect your pre-existing conditions. Leah Vukmir, if she gets into the Senate, will be the, the deciding vote against the Affordable Care Act. Uh, that Those are, again, also themes that we've seen from her campaign and, and Baldwin herself in the past few weeks. And the race that we're all focused on now because it is tight and 
It could go either way. We have no idea. Scott Walker has a really long winning record in Wisconsin. He is just not known as someone who loses elections. Um, Gwen Moore at one of the rallies the other day said, you know, I'm the only person who's ever beat Scott Walker, but I'm going to stop using that line soon because she says Tony Evers is going to take care of that this time. Um, You know, Tony Evers, superintendent of public instruction, has also a, a streak of winning statewide elections three in a row, but it's a very different kind of election when you're running for state superintendent than when you're running for governor and when you're running against someone like Scott Walker, who is very well resourced, has the strength of the Republican Party machine behind him. What are we watching for these last few days in this race? Well, it'll be a continuation of a lot of the themes that we've seen. I mean, um, it's been interesting to see uh, Governor Walker's attacks against Tony Evers kind of change over time. I mean, now we have a, a kind of like a continued reference to the the plagiarism issue where mm-hmm. um, where Tony Evers' Department of Public Instruction, it was found um, by the state GOP, copied without citation seven different passages of his budgets over the past few years. And now the DPI has rectified those. They have the proper citations in, but it's still an issue that Walker can use to maybe off-balance Evers a little bit in, in the next few days. Um, and it echoes 2014 when Mary Burke had a portion of her jobs plan was plagiarized by a consultant who was working for her. And that was the message the last few weeks, uh, in addition to other things from the Walker campaign then. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly not a focus right now, but it's still something he can slide in, mm-hmm. um, again, like I said, to off-balance Evers and his campaign. Uh, you know, other things that have been kind of interesting to see evolve over time. Early on in the race, there were a lot of attacks against Evers for, I guess, his inability to revoke licenses for teachers that either viewed poor or, you know, had some kind of sketchy behavior Mm -hmm. in or around students in different districts. Those attacks have kind of have slowly faded away in the past few weeks, and we haven't heard much about exactly. That. So, and so those ads were everywhere at the beginning of the race, and those mailers just you, you yeah. were, we were saturated with that so <laughs> that, much those porn. attacks. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's interesting because you know people are taking a look at this and they're saying if you're moving away from this, clearly it wasn't effective, right? right. Um, so instead, you know, the the focus has more so been on Evers is going to raise your taxes. Uh, he hasn't specifically said how much he wants to increase the gas tax by, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the line of rhetoric, which, you know, you brought up earlier today is he could raise your gas tax by as much as a dollar a gallon. And that scares people. It does. People don't like that. Mm-hmm. But as you as you said, he hasn't given a, a range. His argument is you can't come to the negotiating table by saying this is what I'll do. Walker's argument is you got to tell voters what the possibilities are. And as we've seen in polling, taxes, the economy, for, for people who are motivated by those issues, they're overwhelmingly going toward Walker. So you, like you said, Walker's really shifted toward this tax message. And I think that's probably what we're going to keep hearing from him. And he's really making this argument that first term was about jobs, second term was about the workforce, third term is also about the workforce, but making the workforce better, I guess. Um, but he's he's talking about this in terms of, you know, we, we came in, we got started, we found these problems, addressed them, improved them. Now give us one more chance, one more four-year chance to finish the job, basically. He's saying this will be his last term, and he's asking for this this chance to sort of close the book, hand it off to the next generation, he says. Um, 
so it's it's very much a, it's a closing argument for the campaign and really a closing argument for his time as governor. He, in an interview with me a couple of weeks ago, said he wants to be viewed as as a transformational governor. Transformational, I and mean, then I think both in terms of not just in terms of employment, but more job opportunities, higher wages, better opportunities for folks, but also transformational in terms of government. I mean, I think the reforms we put in place didn't just save money. Uh, for schools, local governments like the one I used to work in and now state government, you know, the fact that we can hire based on merit now and pay based on performance, uh, I think it really is transformational. And uh, I'd like to not only have those reforms stay, I'd like to build off of those. And Tony Evers, when asked the same question, said he wants to be viewed as someone who brings people together, who unites people. We unite people. We don't divide and conquer people. And uh, people say Wisconsin are really sick of that, frankly. And uh, I believe I can be a uniter. We've, my wife and I have lived all across the state of Wisconsin. And if there's anything we learned is that what unites us is much more important than what divides us. Do I want to uh, make some huge policy gains? Yes, I do, in education and, and, and making sure that we have good health care in the state of Wisconsin and making sure that we actually value science. All those things are exceedingly important to the people of Wisconsin. But in order to get there, we need to unite the people of Wisconsin instead of pitting people against each other. We have His whole campaign, the message is it's time for a change. And that change includes what? More money into public schools. I mean, his DPI budget uh, that he released at, I think, the middle of September showed a $1.4 billion increase in, in K-12. So he's really running on that. Um, he points to all of the referendum questions on the ballot. That is something that we didn't get to, how school districts are really seeking more funding um, to, you know, either build new buildings or uh, you know, operational referendum questions, too. So he points to that and he, he, as proof, he says, that the state's investment over this current biennium isn't enough and, and more needs to be done to really aid these these school districts. So he'll keep talking about that. He'll keep talking about health care. He is a cancer survivor. So he, uh, the, you know, the issue of pre-existing conditions is really near and dear to him. And he talks about that quite frequently. And I'm sure that we'll hear more of that in the next few days. Well, um, we're a few days away. Uh, some municipalities still have early voting, so people can keep doing that. I think a lot of, a lot of people have been voting early. Um, and then, of course, November 6th is Election Day. So get out there. Don't care who you support. Just get out and do it. Or don't. I can't make you. But you know, <laughs> if you're listening to this, probably you should because you <laughs> are probably informed at this point. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Brianna. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxley. We'll be back every Friday with new episodes, so make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out. I promised you earlier, if you stuck with me this far, I would let you know how to attend our first live recording for free. So listen up. Go to wedgeissues.eventbrite.com. That's wedgeissues.eventbrite.com and enter the code WEDGE2018. That's WEDGE2018. Remember, that's Tuesday, November 13th at Brokaw on the Capitol Square. I'll be announcing more details, like our guests, in the days to come. In the meantime, if you have any feedback or suggestions for me, you can find me on Twitter at jessieopie, or you can email me at j-o-p-o-i-e-n at madison.com. Don't forget to go vote if you already haven't. Remember, Election Day is Tuesday, November 6th. 
We'll see you next week. Wedge Issues has been brought to you by wispolitics.com. There are plenty of benefits to becoming a member. You can go to wispolitics.com membership to find out more.